Welcome to File Under Entertainment Podcast with Eric and guests. This week I have back again Mark from the Evil Mark Show, my co-host with the uh, NCAA College Football Podcast. Mark, how you doing? I am doing great. I, I, it's. I feel like I haven't been on it forever. I know it was it was only G. It wasn't that long ago. But I'm like, I've been chomping at the bit. I, I know it's. We got this one, and then I know we got another one coming up here pretty soon. Another yeah. one I think is R. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pumped up, and I, I'm really pumped up to talk about Oingo Boingo. Now I'm not. I'm a bigger Grateful Dead fan than I am Oingo Boingo, but I think Oingo Boingo has a lot of really good songs and is one of those bands I don't think gets enough credit for. So when we got to O, we get to Oingo Boingo. I was like, yeah, that's got to be the one. <laughs> that's got to be the choice for O. Yeah, you did mention it right off the bat when I asked about letters that you wanted to come on for. You, you said right away G, and then oh, you already knew Oingo Boingo, uh, Oingo Boingo, right from the onset. So it's a hard to say. Yeah, it is. Really, is it's gonna be. I feel like we're gonna mess up that one a lot. Oingo Boingo, Oingo, Oingo. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're really good. Uh, they're really, and a lot of the songs are um, a little bit misunderstood. I think if you if you look at the lyrics, if you go literally, then you'll be like, whoa, this is like. This is a pretty intense yeah. one, but I, I, I think there's I, some context there. <laughs> absolutely. I did tell you that right off the jump because I always like to have, you know, I'm old school. I like to have the the hard copy printout of the lyrics, you know, in front of me. So I'm not having to go to a different screen or whatever. I like I like to have it just, you know, on paper. And when I pulled some of those lyrics up, the, the songs that I wasn't familiar with, I was like, <laughs> oh my god like what the hell are we getting into here and so you said like yeah no i know at face value but there's there's definitely you know a story behind it so uh happy to hear and i was going to ask but you already uh jumped in with it i was going to ask i'm assuming you're not as passionate about them as you are grateful that you already said not really, but you you are a big fan, so yeah, yeah. I I love Oingo Boingo. Um, I think a lot of the information that I got from that that I'm going to be presenting today, I got from actually. I got to give a shout out to Mark Marin and uh, his podcast uh, WTF. I'm sure everyone knows that one's like the second most popular one in the world. But uh, his episode number twelve thirty two with Danny Elfman, which I I, I knew Oingo Boingo. Because there's the first song I'm going to be sharing today was like one of my favorites that I always liked. Uh, and then he talked about it on the podcast and got more into his and of course, all his musical score work. Danny Elfman is like brilliant. I mean, pretty much we're going to talk a little bit about these movies, but I mean, movies and TV shows, his work is just phenomenal. So getting to know him, uh, have, hearing him on that podcast talk for about an hour, I was like, made me dive back in um, back in uh, during the pandemic. And I was like, yeah, this is this is a band that I think a lot of people missed out on, especially the. Uh, the first album, Only a Lad, which I think we got two songs off of today. Yeah, so nice. So um, give us the rundown. Like, I don't know if you brought the the wiki entry about Danny Elfman or about the band, or if you want to just give your your personal connection to them. Like, how did you first hear them and like what turned you on to them to become a fan? Yeah, I think I my, my first entry into them was probably just like everyone else was the weird science song um also probably dead man's party which i remember being prominently featured in the uh in the great comedy movie rodney danger comedy movie uh, back to school which is one of my favorites but uh mm-hmm. I, I was i was used to those two songs and i heard some other some other stuff um if you're a fan of alternative theater or experimental art house theater uh then you can kind of see the same kind of things in a lot of these songs in oingo boingo that uh, Danny Elfman provided in some of his music scores. And he's he's scored some of the best ones ever. I mean, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Batman, Men in Black, Spider-Man, Big Fish, Edward Scissor's Hands, uh, episodes from Tales from the Crypt, Batman the Animated yeah. Series, and of course, famously, The Nightmare Before Christmas. So I think his, his musical output is unrivaled. But let me tell you a little bit about Boingo Boingo. So 
Oingo Boingo is an American new wave band formed by the songwriter, uh, Danny Elfman, of course, uh, and theatrical music composer uh, in 1979. Now, the band emerged from the surrealist musical theater troupe called the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. And so that was like a group of 17 guys get together, would play alternative music, not alternative music like we know it, but like just different jazz type stuff or different kind of uh, world music outside theaters in the uh, California area. Uh, and then it kind of formed into this band. And this band was his his take on a ska band. And that's what was born out of it. And this was kind of born in the same area as like, you got to remember the scene in between LA and San Francisco was like the Go-Go's and X and like these hard rock bands and these pop bands. They were all in the same scene because it was the, because it was the, it was the late seventies. So it was kind of a weird kind of eclectic group at the time. It wasn't like the Seattle scene where they all sounded the same. Everyone was very different. Oingo Boingo was so different. They kind of stood out even more than, than the rest of the others. Um, they're known for their high energy live concert experience, experimental music, which can be described as mixing rock, ska, pop, world music. The band's body of work spans 17 years with various genres and lineup changes. And today we're basically going to go through every notable Oingo Boingo song in their catalog. So in 1978, Danny Elfman switched from being obsessed with the roots of jazz and experimental theater into becoming obsessed with British ska music. Now, Oingo Boingo became his answer to scratch his ska desires while staying true to his experimental theater roots in California. Now, let's hear from Danny Elfman. I have a quote here from Danny Elfman about Oingo Boingo and what eventually happened to them here. So they, he said, the press hated us. We were LA's most despised band. Both our image and our attitude conflicted with their image of what quote unquote relevant rock and roll was supposed to look like and sound like. However, we got so we got, we got, so we actually liked the bad reviews. So today, today I challenge you to listen beyond the lyrics or just the music. Try to understand the context like a challenging play or a piece of art. Don't just look at the surface and be like, Oh yeah, this is pretty. I like this. You, Art, real art, you should wrestle with it. You should dance with it. You can see if you can tame it. Uh, you should let it challenge you and not be so dismissive of it. Like Jared is doing right now. He's shaking his head as I'm giving this intro. <laughs> so famously last time, Mark, you, you uh, when you're talking Grateful Dead, I, I think you're almost expected to be kind of under the influence of something. <laughs> Uh, are you under the influence of anything today? Yes, I, I'm on a very, 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 very high dose of THC. So I will, I will, I will put that out there first. And this, okay. this is, this is going to be my thing. Anytime I'm, <laughs> I'm on a uh, violent entertainment. At some point, I'm, I'm going to OD by the time we get to see. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I hope not. We still got a, a sports show that we need. To oh, do that's every- true. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got tacos to hand out on Tuesday. We got hardware to hand out on Fridays during the NFL show. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, this is where you get to let loose. This is a, you can go a little bit off the rails. You know, not that we're very much on the rails with the (laughs) Evil Mark show, but you know, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to to make sure because it it felt like we were trending in that direction. So I wanted to... (laughs) Well, I I listen to the show all the time and you're like, give an intro and people are like, I like it. This is my band. I'm like, I want you to have some context because the songs are going to be really, really the first couple. We're gonna have some fun. But then when we get near the end, you're like I said, you're really going to be challenged. You can either be like, I don't know, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Or you can actually get into it and you can try to develop your own opinion on it, which I think well, is important when we're talking about artwork. For sure. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, let's get, let's do the fun stuff. Let's get that 
out of the way before we get into any kind of controversy. So what's this first song that you brought to the table for us? Okay, so from their 1987 groundbreaking debut album, this is one of my favorite songs uh, that they do. Uh, this is why I started off first. Uh, I think it's the one that that caught Mark Maron's attention as well back when he was in high school in New Mexico. Uh, this is from their debut album, Only a Lad. Here is the song, On the Outside. <laughs> I'm on the 
Okay. On the outside. So what drew you to this song specifically? Well, I mean, you already kind of mentioned it a little bit at the top, but do you have any other reasonings why why start with this one? What yeah, sticks with it? This is one of my favorites, and I love this one because this is Danny Elfman's. If you go back and listen to that interview, this is like his autobiographical struggle with his place in the world post high school. So when he was a junior in high school, he never picked up an instrument until he was a junior in high school, which he picked up a fiddle. And that launched his foray into art house theater, experimental theater and music uh, happenings that were going on in that time frame. And also like uh, his fascination with, with jazz music and you kind of hear a little bit of that in, in Oingo Boingo's work and I just love that this one is just like aggressively alternative it, I just love the fact that they are aggressively alternative in their output and creations and this is not only like an incredibly catchy song but it like carries the extra societal punch because at the time a lot of the new wave bands were simply just like let's dance let's have a party let's look like the 80s like there is a in the, if you look at the lyrics of this there's actually criticism of 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 uh of materialism. I mean, this is something that kind of carries through there. Uh, this could, if, if we were in a different time, let's say the Fight Club was in the 80s instead of the 90s, mm. that this would probably be on that soundtrack. This is kind of, they were one of the first new wave bands that went from, no, we're not just having a dance party. Like we actually have something to say. And that's what that's why I love this first one. And that's part of the reason why I love Oingo Boingo. Well, especially with the stanza, you think you set the trends, you wear your hair just right, your clothes are out of sight, you, your house is modern, really kitsch. So, yeah, it's um, it definitely is kind of jabs. And I see that. And also reading some of the stuff about him, he is an equal opportunity shit talker, I guess, or shit stir, <laughs> where he kind of just like he he's uh, he's an atheist. But what did he say? He's a cynicism. He, he's into cynicism or something. And he's a uh, yeah, he just he, he takes his shots at whomever and doesn't really care. And I like that he's outspoken. Um yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. Yeah, I, I love this one. It's got that driving, just boom, 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 boom. And I, I think if, if there's anybody who's ever been uh, involved in theater, I, I was a guy who was involved in sports, but I also love theater too. I mostly worked on the technical side. But yeah, it's just one of those things that where when you're in that world, even with you're surrounded by other theater kids, you're still kind of like trying to figure out where you, where you fit in. Cause it's kind of like the, the most outsider role in high school. And I, I, I can see where Danny Elfman is uh, finding theater for the first time as a junior, which is pretty late as a high schooler to kind of get involved in theater and, oh, sure. uh, and, and to kind of like buy into it full hearted, which is, which I think happens to most people who get involved in theater. You're either, no one's like dipping their toe in theater. You either <laughs> love theater or you're hog, like, you, yeah. Yeah, you're, you want nothing to do with it. <laughs> there's so. like, there's like no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no halves. There's no half ass yeah. in it. It is interesting that he did start that late to your point. And also the first thing that he would pick up would be the fiddle, not like, a, you know, like a mainstream kind of thing. Like, I really want to get into music, so I'm going to start with guitar or even like, uh, you know, like trying to be different, saying I'm going to go with uh, like ukulele or something like, like No, I'm going to go with the fiddle. You know, like that's what well, I'm going to. And the weirdest thing was like the first music he before this he loved he he was I mean, he grew up in that that late '60s era so it was like the Beatles and the Stones and all this normal stuff and then you know picks up a fiddle and falls in love with jazz music and then falls in love with like Duke Ellington and things mm -hmm. and this happens to theater kids right so instead of he's living in an era right here when he writes a song you know there's hippies there's counterculture but 
in his mind, he's living in the 1920s and 30s and he's listening to Duke Ellington. And you can see how that not only on this song, but if you if you think back of like Edward Scissorhands and mm. Big Fish, you can see how he's tapping into his original uh, uh, jazz roots and his Duke Ellington roots about how he puts his music together. I, I think Edward Scissorhands is probably the, the perfect example of that song that kind of touches every genre. And when you watch that movie and you hear the musical score, you're like, why is this so haunting? Why do I like this so yeah. much? It's like because it has so much of Americana weaved into it. Well, he is so iconic, and that's kind of what I think myself and what a lot of people know him by is all of his musical scores. It's very, I mean, I, I always knew that, yeah, he had this band and I knew Oingo Boingo, but I guess even knowing that I'd never really associated the two. Like I always thought like, oh yeah, Danny Elfman, like the, the score composer, not like Danny Elfman, the guy that founded Oingo Boingo. It's just like, <laughs> it's, a, it's just kind of weird but i mean like listening to it it's like yeah okay i can hear <laughs> some of this in in the score stuff but yeah so i think this next one is a favorite for a lot of people it's well uh, that are of our age anyway i think you know, <laughs> younger people are gonna be like what the fuck what kind of movie is this you know this is a song from a movie like what what is that about but only in the 80s could you have a movie like, okay, two boys are going to build a sex robot and it's going to be a comedy romp. Like only in the 80s would that <laughs> right. be allowed. Like nowadays they'd be like problematic. Like, I don't know. Did, they, did the robot give consent? Like there's, there's so many other questions now. But back then it was like, okay, two kids are going to build a sex robot. Cool. Let's make a movie about that. <laughs> I think maybe – I think, yeah, we're probably too – self-aware or, or woke now i guess is the the terminology um but i mean i think er, in the early 2000s you could get away with this too this is like where american pie and not another mm -hmm. teen movie there it did have kind of like a um what was it uh euro trip and there was a lot of movies from around that time that was like just like late teens early adults that were kind of like sex comedies or whatever where you could get away with this but then it just like that completely died well i'll i'll challenge you on this point because i mean those were sex comedies and they, they like they, they they talked about like cunnilingus and things that you've never heard in a movie before but no one built their own sex robot <laughs> i mean that's like that that's very true pretty challenging first of all the technology the technology you would need but uh and second of all the, then there's the moral questions and what's great about this one i'll announce the song and when we talk about it we'll talk about the music video but it, it's great how it, the music video is almost like the secondary song like you hear this song you'll think one thing you go see the music video again you see like oh okay i see what he was thinking like <laughs> how is he going to play with it but uh from their 1985 album uh dead man's party here is, and it's originally created uh, and featured in the movie of the same name, the most popular song in the Oingo Boingo catalog, uh, topping the charts at number 43. Here is Weird Science. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Weird science Not what teachers said 
understand my intentions.
<laughs> I've forgotten <laughs> how long that actually went on. It's like it was a race <laughs> to get through all the stanzas of lyrics. <laughs> just have that cacophony of noise during at the end. Like that that's crazy. I mean, it's still a good song, but it's like, yeah, that, that goes on a little long. You know, there's there's in my mind, there's so many shades of of like the, the future work he would do in Nightmare Nightmare Before Christmas is like oh, the yeah. dissonant sound and kind of playing with this concept. I mean, like one of the things that I think we're kind of talking back and forth during our show, just while we're listening and like, I think about this, like as someone who works in technology, like when I grew up, like this is, this was a silly, dumb movie. This is an eighties movie, right? Like this is mm-hmm. like the karate kid. Like you're not going to go learn karate and then, you know, date that one girl. Like it's kind of ridiculous, but, and so was this movie. It was like, it was just, it, but it's such a slice of pop candy. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of the comp in the nineties would be like, I don't know, like Britney Spears toxic, like, it's one of those things. It's it's just gonna get in your ear. It sounds good, and then years from now, like twenty years from now, you'd be like, uh, "What was the '90s? Oh yeah, it was Britney Spears toxic." Like this is exactly when people go, "Like, what were the '80s like? What did it sound like?" <laughs> yes, and of course, it was very. <laughs> there were alternative rocks, and there was acid rock. I mean, there was a million different things. But you'd go, "Yeah, it kind of sounded like weird science." Like Absolutely. it lasted way, way too long. <laughs> there was way <laughs> too much weird stuff going on. <laughs> I think that is a very good encapsulation. You could almost have that as the soundtrack for the '80s for sure. You could say. Yes, the, everything was like the pastels, and yeah, it's either this or like Duran Duran. Uh, I think is like very much in that same vein where you just like picture what was the eighties, and then you say like, yes, that's that's it. So you know, this one was interesting because this was his first like foray into movies. So John Hughes, the the guy who made Weird Science, and it's weird that John Hughes is pretty respected now. Once made a movie about a, a fucking a robot, but <laughs> so it, it about uh, we talked about two kids who find a way to create a beautiful woman through science. Well, who was it? Was it Kim Cattrall? Am I am I forgetting who it was? Um, no, she was important. No. I can't remember who it was in, in Weird Science. But anyway, I mean, go look it up. It, it's incredible. They they got definitely got the right woman for it. But I loved, the, and I mentioned this earlier, the 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 video. And this is what's great about the eighties and nineties. Like a song could mean one thing, and then you would see the video, and it would be like, oh, maybe this is supposed to mean something else. But I think Elfman actually used that video to kind of take the piss out of the movie Weird Science because the movie Weird Science makes it a fun romp. The, yeah. the video weird science makes it seem like a Frankenstein situation where the person <laughs> is creating and you think about it, you're creating the machine that you are going to fuck. So you've <laughs> created life and now you were going to not violate it, but maybe you're going to take advantage of it. There is kind of I, one of the things he says here is like voodoo, cha- voodoo chants and voodoo dolls and chants. I mean, <laughs> if, if you yeah. really think about it, he took a someone says to you, make a movie, you know, make a song for a movie about a kids who build a sex robot and he's like think of all the the things that would go into this and all, like all the weirdness like the song perfectly kind of matches the movie it's kind of like the counterpoint to where the movie is all like a fun and joyous romp the song is a fun joyous romp but it also kind of like yeah this is, this is a whole pretty fucked up situation but it's a good song <laughs> it's kelly lebrock by the way oh yeah that's right kelly lebrock i looked it up on imdb and anthony <sighs> michael hall obviously you know anthony michael hall like almost in every single one of uh john hughes movies so uh definitely uh rings true there this what you were saying like oh about like uh you're building it to fuck it <laughs> it's it reminded me it's uh well, this, watched... this this just turned into gaio show <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> 
So obviously you're familiar <laughs> with Tales from the Crypt. You mentioned that Elfman oh, yeah. had even done, you know, some of the score work for that. So there was a science fiction offshoot of Tales from the Crypt. It only lasted one season. It was called Perversions of Science. And like the Crypt Keeper in that is like this sexy robot with these really big boobs <laughs> named Chrome. And she has like this sultry voice and she does the intros and, and outros for it. So there's this one that I just recently watched where it's... Uh, the show is really hard to find. Obviously, I, you know, I had to you know do the the whole pirate route because I hadn't seen it. I want and I wanted to see these, so that's really the only way that you can find it. It's not available on any kind of streaming services or anything like that. So, uh, anyone that wants to, you're going to have to do you know some shady stuff to see it. But so I was going to say spoiler alert, but you're probably not going <laughs> to seek this out anyway because it's not a very good show. But anyway, um, <laughs> there was an episode where oh, I forget the I forget her name. She's kind of popular from the late 90s like you would recognize her if you saw her but I, I don't remember her name but she plays this character that like goes back in time 10 years because she says that she's in love with this this guy and he dies so she wants to make sure that she saves his life and so she convinces this guy to build this time machine for her so she could go back well the the whole shtick of it, it turns out, was that it was him all along, the guy that she was ah. in love with. It was him that had gotten a sex change to become this woman to like live this different life. It was like it just totally <laughs> fucked up the scenario, but yeah, and, and that uh, reminded me, like, oh, because obviously, naturally, they ha end up having sex. So the female version of him has sex with him, not with the male version not knowing that that's him as a female from in the future so it's like it's, it's incredibly fucked up um yeah but that is exactly what i thought of when you brought up the whole thing like you're building a machine so that you can fuck it. that's where my yeah <laughs> well you know the other thing i think of is like when we think about that artificial intelligence now like as we get closer and closer artificial intelligence like and even now before but like we don't have artificial intelligence but i think we have really predictive kind of text models that can respond back to you where they know enough how mm -hmm. humans kind of cheat the language that they can kind of make you think that they're a real person like when we do make that jump or even if we don't make that jump if we never make that jump which is a lot of technologists would argue i would argue that we'll never make that jump but if you get close enough there where you know the machine can react to you in a in a in a in a way that you could talk to it through text. You could people fall in love through text. People could be very long distance. Like yeah. this could happen. So what was once like a ridiculous, funny 80 cheese pop song, like these are these are kind <laughs> of problems that we're gonna deal with yeah. in the, within the next five to ten years. It, it's so odd. And uh, like I, I just see like this is like perfectly made for one day like a guy is going to fuck the first robot sentient robot and then this will yeah. be playing like at the whoever does the story <laughs> i see jared pointing <laughs> well, to himself yeah. they've had that uh that movie that with uh joaquin phoenix with um oh her Scar yeah yeah Scar yeah scarjo as like the siri kind of thing where he falls in love with like the ai and i absolutely think that it's it's possible and that it is coming i think that people like of our generation or even the younger generation I think if it were to happen in our lifetime, I think there's still too much of an uncanny valley kind of thing mm -hmm. where, where yeah. we know what it is because we we lived in a world where that didn't exist. I think people that are born after that technology is already out, they won't think twice about it because it's something that's always going to 
have been there. Kind of like kids today and cell phones. They just assume that that's how it's always been. You know, like we obviously remember a time before cell phones where you went out as kids and you would play and like your parents had no way of reaching you unless they knew that you were going to be at a friend's house and they knew that kid's number, you know, they just, you were left to your own devices. And it's like, if you got dropped off at the mall and you had to be picked up at the same time, there used to be these things called pay phones that you had to like have change to call your folks to come get fucked up. They're like, there's, and that's how it's going to be with like AI, you know, and, and falling in love with, with robots and stuff like that. Like there's too much uncanny Valley, I think for us to, get bought in but jared uh, he's like no i'm i'm fully on board like give me uh, a robot yeah. now. I'm a, I'm a fucking robot I'm gonna <laughs> he's ready he's ready he, he, he likes that edm he's gonna be playing that edm looking for youtube getting the songs ready uh one thing i want to mention here if, if you're a fan of, of file and entertainment like i am and you've listened to the, uh, the past couple seasons since since it started if you've gone back and listened to the catalog this is Eric's, uh, if Joe Rogan talks about DMT, Eric talks about the cell phones. <laughs> this is like the fourth time this has been brought up. The fourth or fifth time on File Entertainment. So there's the, <laughs> there's me, like calling Jim Harbaugh, Edie Amin, I think that's my thing. Joe Rogan's <laughs> DMT. Eric Stevens, your signature podcast thing is, cell phones used to be different. You used to have to call someone at their house. You used that's to have funny. to find a pay phone. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh do you have anything else about weird science or are we, uh, no uh... no i don't but i can set us up for the next one all right let's do it okay this one is just more of a fun one before we get into the heavy stuff so this is this is the line of demarcation this is the last fun song before we get into the really really challenging ones uh this is uh this is from their 1985 album dead man's party this was featured prominently in in the hit the absolute hit comedy uh, Rodney Dangerfield has a has a very very young oh why am I dropping his name uh, Iron Man. Uh, they have a very very young Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah uh, unbelievably young Robert Downey Jr. as as the sidekick to his son. Great movie. Uh, Love the Vonnegut joke. You have to go back and watch that movie just for the Kurt Vonnegut joke. Um, but here is uh, from the movie Back to School. Here is Dead Man's Party.
Party. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's like the the two longest songs in their Oingo Boingo catalog are both of those, and I'm, I didn't do that just to troll you. Those two are really two of the best, one of the two best ones. You didn't choose uh, two seven minute instrumental songs. At least, so. <laughs> I gotta hmm. say, I gotta say, Mark, I I'm not disappointed at all. Like these are actual songs that I could get down to. To be, I, I thought you were gonna throw a curveball, man. No, that's what's so cool about Oingo Boingo is like once you get into it, it's like it's got this weird kind of ska kind of rock vibe. If this if this band showed up in, in the 90s, like this would have been a punk band and no one mm-hmm. would have thought twice about it. They would have been like, yeah, this is a weird kind of punk. This They're almost like I'm trying to think of the, the comp here. Uh, I wouldn't say Mighty Mighty Boston's because I think they're a little corny, but I can't think of the comp. But yeah, you would you would make them a punk band. There would be no question. But because this is the 80s, the um, punk that exists is very like hard forward. Squirrel nut zippers, maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe um, who who did that? Uh, let's do it like we do on the Discovery Channel. Oh, um, uh, um, uh, Bloodhound Gang. Bloodhound Gang. Yeah, they're like that. Yeah, like it's kitschy, but it's it it may and to some people it's probably novelty songs. To others, it's actually like a, a twist on the genre. Now, I I got to tell you this, like on this one, this if you go back and listen to that Dead Man's Party, this is the absolute draft to the nightmare before christmas in fact that song is actually his encore when he does his uh tours around uh during uh halloween and christmas time to support his nightmare before christmas concerts this is the the uh the song to do afterwards and i just wanted to add this other thing too is interesting here now the lyric i hear the show for coming to my door uh, says there's room maybe just one more is a reference to the bus conductor and this is another uh, he again this guy used to live in the past when he first picked up music this is a short story by ef benson about a hearse driver first published in the paul mall magazine in 1906 this story of the room for one more has been adapted several times and has spawned uh, an urban legend with each version being different but using that catchphrase room for one more mm-hmm. so it's just an, another musically informed literally informed this is totally a theater guy you can see where this guy's kind of mind is at but you can also see the fact that this is the one thing i love about danny elfin especially with his other work and what he does with all these movies this is supposed to be like a ska band his take on ska as it goes into rock and he's just being authentically himself uh and and just having fun with it and you gotta love that because it's just it's not just weird 80s music this borders on almost like really cool rock 
Well, he, he definitely has a flavor for the macabre and everything, hence the association with Tim Burton and, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands and all that kind of stuff, you know. It's, um, yeah, so I, I think that kind of, he peppers references like that into his uh, offerings. So I, I think it's it's pretty on brand for, for what he does. So that's cool. I like darker, more macabre stuff and it's, <laughs> we're getting into that spooky kind of season too. So it's like, you know, favorite time of year, not only for football, but also Halloween is you know, one of the coolest, if not the coolest uh, holiday. So, you know, I used to be, I, 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 I gotta go with, uh, I gotta go with Thanksgiving. Cause you get to, you get to eat, you get to watch football. <laughs> and then you get the day after the rivalry games. My favorite, I've, I've never really been, in fact, I'm going to admit something. This this nightmare before Christmas, I've only seen clips of it. I've never sat down and watched all of it because when I was a kid, or even not as a kid, but even as a, as a young adult, the mm-hmm. the main character like freaked me out so much. I was like, I don't know, I don't really want to watch that. And I just, I never, I, not that I'm still scared of it, but it's just like I never went back to it because I was like, I don't know, uh, like, am I going to watch it in the summer? Like, I've seen clips of it and I know some of the popular songs, but I've never seen the whole movie start. Oh uh, no, man, you got to, you got to, especially uh, with. Your lady, she's got kids, right? So I mean, I oh think yeah, we're we're gonna get there. Maybe <laughs> they haven't seen it, so it'd be a nice, uh, like a family movie night. So yeah, you got to get there. Yeah, this next one. Now this is the this is gonna be the tough one. So this is where so this we... is, you won Jared <laughs> over, and now you're gonna lose him. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> this is actually I, I picked this song specifically for Eric because when he came on. <laughs> When he came on After Hours, we, we had this conversation about uh, male feminism. And when I was going back through picking all the Oingo Boingo songs, this definitely isn't one of the top ones in, in my my choices, but this it is a good song. And one of the interesting things about it is it has this like very forward progressive message, almost a radical message from when it, for when it was wrote in 1986. And but then how it's misinterpreted today is is so odd because this almost would be like if this song came out today and the norms were still the same they'd be like oh this is ground breaking like this would be the mm-hmm. anthem of you know waving all the flags around but it kind of gets misaligned but let's get to it uh, uh this is um from their 1987 1987 album um boingo b-o-i-n-g-o boingo here is not my slave
Wait, are you so? So context, context, context. This is not uh-huh. about. I, you know, this is this has kind of been misunderstood. Like people have taken this. If you read on Reddit, they're like, "Oh, this is about a sub and a dumb, or this is a psychosexual relationship, like, it, mm-hmm. or this is about like it's it's not that. Like this was literally what you got to remember about the song. Uh, the context here is uh, this is back in the 1980s. Now most women were still expected to uh, do exactly what their husbands told them to do. Young girls were expected to get married, and the status quo was largely expected to be followed. Now this song sort of set it all on its ear. But being released in 1986 and speaking about having a significant other that is viewed as a complete equal in every manner possible, that was radical at the time. So again, here we have Oingo Boingo creating an original new wave, but layering the message in for the societal norms. They were here; they are being woke before woke in '86, saying that your 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 the partner that you decide to marry should be your equal and not someone that you hold dominion over. Which sounds crazy now; it sounds like such a ridiculous idea. But this was the norm in 1986. Okay, I like it. I like that there's that context. I just wish that it wasn't so subtle and that it wasn't kind of commandeered by others that were looking to spin the narrative, which I, which I think is what we're definitely going to see with, yeah, well, with the well, next one more so than this one. But uh, it just, well, it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, this is things are, are meant, you know, especially if it's, if it is a little bit subtle and it's a little too open for interpretation. And even when, the artist comes out and says, this was my intent with it, when it still gets co-opted by others that are trying to like spin it to their own, suit their own devices. See, I see. I think that's where the real trouble lies because like when we look at something like a song or a piece of art, especially like, we're not talking about like a true political message. We're talking about a song, which is mm-hmm. art. And when there's a narrative about a piece of art then we already know it's, it's probably bullshit because art is what it means to the person. And if we're if we're going to just say, well, well, we can't have this. We can't have Mike Lowe's David because it's going to freak somebody out because maybe there's somebody out there like you could just choose whatever you, you want. Art cannot be compromised uh, by by the narrative or, or what the general public thinks. If someone doesn't get something and, and they find it offensive, does not does not mean it shouldn't exist. Or if, if someone doesn't have the brains to say this is what this would have meant in 1986. These are the words that maybe don't fit what i like now or what mean other things now like that's the the interpretation is all wrong there if you when you're letting other people interpret art yeah. for you well it, it shouldn't be uh compromised because to your point art is subjective and it's all about how it makes you feel and what it means to you because it that's one thing that i've been very open about on past episodes saying that i like that people can have different interpretations on things so it might sound a little bit hypocritical what i'm saying is that when people are very adamant about that that narrative fits their structure and they co-opt it whole hog and try to spew that as fact even after the person has come back saying like because elfman might have left it vague or, or subtle or in, in maybe not just elfman just any art mm-hmm. by anybody you know they they put it out there just because they had a vision um and didn't necessarily want to share with everybody and then someone says oh i know a thousand percent what that song means and they try to spin it to a way that the original creator doesn't like and then they come out saying hey i, I was trying to be like vague about it and, <laughs> and subtle but that's not what i meant 
but everybody's like, no, 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 you're wrong. Even though you were the one that wrote the song, that that's not what it's about. It's this is really what it's about, especially on the left or the right. It doesn't really matter when they try to spin it towards a, like a political or a certain kind of like agenda. And, and I think like again, it's less about this one and more about the next one. <laughs> it's where it's like that that kind of bothers me, and it's like you almost wish it's like again, you don't want to say, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that in the first place because it's your art. That's what he wanted to create. So he should have every right to create that. It shouldn't be, you know, censored in that manner. But it's almost like when it does get taken to an extreme, it's like, uh, it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, and people are probably just been like, what the hell are you even talking oh, yeah, about? Yeah, well, because there, once we, once even, we get to yeah. <laughs> yeah, once we get to this next one, okay, this next one, okay, this is this is the one. I, this is the one I know everyone's going to have a problem with. But and I didn't pick it to be to be an edge lord. This is one of their best songs. It's off their their 1985 al- uh, album, Only a Lad. So it's just like the first one we played it. The one was from Only a Lad, probably their best album, top to bottom. Or if you really like the, his Halloween sound, then definitely uh, Dead Man's Party. But only it's off their album, Only a Lad, one of the most misunderstood songs in modern music. Here is Little Girls. Little girl 
Okay, so the whole <laughs> the whole argument I had before about the last one where it didn't make a long sense in context to that sign, that apply that to this one. Because this one is like, yeah, he had uh well, go ahead and give us the, the context behind this one, Mark. Okay, okay. So this song has been hijacked by 4chan, uh, pedo bear memers, Hollywood pedophile accusers, QAnon people. Uh, there's even people who call themselves minor attractive persons maps. They're like a, a weird subset of, of the trans activists. They've tried to, to co-op this song. If Not My Slave is the most misunderstood song in the Oingo Boingo catalog, then Little Girls is probably the most misunderstood song in all of music. Now, I, I, I'm going to stop my take right here because I, I, I have a quote directly from Danny Elfman. Here's a quote in regards to writing this song and, and what, it, what it was about to him at the time. And he said this uh, 2010 at Comic-Con. He said, what, what, what made me write it? At that point, I was just grabbing onto things and it popped into my head and taking characters and singing from their point of view. So whether it be the right wing guy talking about capitalism or the feisty little girl or quasi molester, these, these were just things that I thought were funny and interesting. I would just kind of jump into the skin of often things I wrote were motivated by nothing but the newspaper. I'd read an article and be thinking about something and write a song from that perspective. So it didn't necessarily refl reflect me, but it was fun and I knew it was irreverent. I was out to offend everyone when I started out. Any subject matter I could find that would be offensive, I was embracing. So that was just one. Which, again, no one should be censored by the, the art that they want to make. But it's just like he had to have known that this was going to be controversial. And then he even said that that's what he was going for. And so it's like I... I applaud him on one hand for having the guts to go through with it and to then, you know, double down saying this was a definitely not my you know, belief or intent. I was just writing as a character, but knowing full well that there are assholes and creeps in the world that were going to take that and run with it and be like, hey, this is our fucking anthem just <laughs> means that it's just like you and he should have walked it back i think i i don't know well, well i mean i mean like let's let's say like stormfront like decided let it be was going to be their jam so like let it be the the great Beatles song we're going to give that up to stormfront just because they've decided to adopt it like th this there's there's something you know uh at the core wrong with that the fact that because one group is going to take it away from us, so we're just going to we're going to give it away. So we're going to take a piece of art, like let it be, that's timeless, that will mean things to people forty years from now, and we're just going to give it up because it's those bad people like it. Like that's not art. That's just that's that's people who are just believing what they hear. Art is like religion. If you well, don't if you don't wrestle with it and you don't fight it and it doesn't fight you, then you're not doing it right. Well, okay. I mean, I, I see the point that you're trying to make, but also. There is such a thing as you're, you're talking specifically about one group. And when you're, think, you're thinking about like, uh, but you also mentioned that there was a lot of groups that were adopting this and think about like history's most biggest group of bad people that everybody associates with being bad and take a symbol that uh, used to be like a hin Hindu symbol for peace that they co-opted. And now you can't look at a swastika the same way without thinking that it's for Nazis and thinking about Adolf Hitler, right? I mean, so when there's multiple groups that are taking this song, all like running with it, saying that, hey, this is our anthem. It's not just like, I, again, I, I see the point that you're trying to make that we shouldn't give pe the people the power to take art and things away. But in history, it has happened. 
uh, it's happened with with symbols and other pieces of art like it and it just seems so icky <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's definitely what it is i mean even if you were to, to listen to this song when it first came out in 1985 i mean it's still even back then you're, you're talking about that but i mean here here's what's offensive about this i mean this this is the hypocrisy on this level is that okay well yeah this song may have been offensive but this is basically lived out in pop music from elvis presley to any rock star available and neil young to the current yeah. ones today Jerry lee this, lewis yeah, yeah I love little girls. It, it, what what Danny Elfman here is saying through his character is the truth that makes people uncomfortable, but it happening, it's all good. Like th there's some inherent hypocrisy there. I just, I cannot, I can't get down with that. Like, and the fact that, you know what, like, I think any symbols, if you, if you were to take that, that you swastika is what you're referring to. I mean, if you were to take that and you were into incorporating to art and you twist it on it, then I would see nothing wrong with it. And it might, and to me, it might be like, oh, you're, you have a different take on it. To a neo-Nazi, it might be like, yeah, that's my jam. That's all right. People look at George O'Keefe uh, uh, paintings and they think they love it because it's, they think it's a pussy. And there's other people who see it and <laughs> sure. they see the empowerment of women. And there are other right. people who see it and they're just like, it seems very colorful. Like it, it is what it is to you. That's the whole yeah. point of art. I, I get it. That's fair. And uh, I do appreciate that that wasn't his message uh, you know that he wasn't like fully bought in and be like oh yeah <laughs> you guys absolutely should adopt the song because that was my intent the entire time because obviously like <laughs> finally now we can get now we can start an island oh wait no they already did that <laughs> jesus oh my god all right so do you have anything more that you wanted to touch on not only with that but also oingo oingo's entire catalog or denny elfman or or anything yeah. like that I would just say like Danny Elfman's works. I, I think if, if, if you're a big fan of, of some of these uh, scores, I know some of them are like Edward Scissorhands is one that's just so classic in my mind. I know uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is pretty classic to people. Pee Wee's Big Adventure is another one that's pretty classic to me. So if you were a fan of his movie work and you didn't know he was the, the lead singer and creator of this band, or maybe you had only kind of heard of Oingo Boingo because of the funny name, I would definitely encourage you to check out more of the Oingo Boingo catalog. The same beauty and and sound that you find and, and artfulness that you'd find in something like uh, peewee's big adventure men in black big fish is the same thing you'll find through the oingo boingo catalog and it's really interesting to see the the early drafts of, of what later became these iconic ideas it's, it's always yeah. really interesting to see that well even with the sonic cacophony there's still a beauty like even when it sounds like at the towards the tail end of weird science where there's a bunch of shit going on where it just sounds like noise if you really just you know you listen to it and you can hear how everything harmonizes together and how it really is very manufactured and structured in the sound and it's like he he definitely had to take a lot of time to cultivate to get the sound exactly like that it wasn't just you know banging pots and pans around <laughs> you know it's like it's there's a beauty in that for sure hey, I, I want to say one more thing now the music video for this song there's a music video out there it was directed by his brother now it's the craziest thing ever it, it shows danny elfman he's like in an empty house he's dancing with girls and people with dwarfism followed by onlookers the onlookers are actually the other guys from oingo boingo like staring <laughs> oh vacantly as he walks down a street with an apparent underage girl the video features set pieces strongly reminiscent of the germanist uh, expressionist filmmaker such as that of seen in the cabinet of dr caligari uh, caligari uh, it yeah. was originally banned in canada and was named the, it was named the creepiest music video of all time yeah that's not making it any better <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Certainly not daring, it, daring anybody to that. <laughs> no. I'm just like, you go see it. I, I, Everything I just described, someone's gonna, people are going to go see this. I, I if you want to end up on a watch in. list, then definitely look into it. This is what Mark is telling. Every, you know what? Everyone in this country should be on a. If you're not on a watch list, you're not doing it right. But I'll, I'll digress. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I guess we will get into uh, orgy then, unless you have any final. No, final- yeah, I, I just want to say before we jump in, yeah, I you know I wasn't familiar with orgy at all like not even a little bit until we started preparing for this episode and i just jumped in like a day ago uh i liked your choices and i started getting to the back catalog so I, i'm really excited for these these choices you have here today good deal i think um a lot of people probably aren't uh, going to be familiar with them i think they're criminally uh underrated uh, i think they kind of got lost in the shuffle and i think a lot of people give them grief because their most popular famous hit is a cover of someone else's most popular song um famously they covered new orders blue monday which is uh definitely represented here and so like i have to kind of apologize a little bit to jared because i was giving him grief on the mega episode for saying that his metallica selections were like the basic bitch (laughs) selections uh from metallica i definitely went the basic bitch route with orgy i chose like almost all of their hits or their singles or songs that people were going to know, because I still think again, that a lot of people aren't familiar with them. And so this is a good starting spot to get into their music. And if you do like this, then I do urge to listen. They, I could have picked five songs from their second studio album, Vapor Transmission. I could have taken five from that album alone. I love that album. Start to finish. It's incredible. Their third one, I couldn't find a single song that I liked to, to, uh, to, well, there's songs that I like on it, but not one that I thought was a really good fit for the episode. So first album, really good. Second album, amazing. Third album, eh. And then they have uh, an EP, which I could think I chose probably the best song off of that. But here's the wiki. Uh, Orgy is an American rock band formed in 1994 in Los Angeles, California by vocalist Jay Gordon and guitarist Amir Durak and Ryan Shuck. Bassist Paige Haley and drummer Bobby Hewitt soon completed the lineup. The band's sound has been described as alternative metal, industrial rock, industrial metal, electronic rock, new metal, hard rock, and glam metal. The band themselves had described their style of music as death pop. In 1997, Jonathan Davis of Korn, who performed with Shuck in Sex Art, signed Orgy as the first act on Korn's label Elementary Records, which at the time had distribution with Reprise Records. The band is best known for the cover version of the New Order song Blue Monday and the song Stitches, both from the 1998 album Candy Ass, which was inspired by a drag queen that they had met. The album sold 2 million plus copies. Their second album, the science fiction themed Vapor Transmission, was released in 2000. In 2003, Jay Gordon and his father Lou started their own independent record label, D1 Music, and the label released the third album, Punk Static Paranoia, in February of, 20, or of 2004. Following touring in support of Punk Static Paranoia, the band went on a hiatus in late 2005. On October 25th of 2010, Ryan Shuck and Amir Jarak stated on their new side project blog, uh, JulianK.com, quote, as of October 26th, we will no longer be part of Orgy. Jay will continue making music with out the original members, end quote. On October 30th, Jay Gordon released a statement that he still owns the Orgy name and wants to continue forth creating new material from the band. 
He wrote, quote, everyone was so busy with their different project. I figured this was the only way for me to continue on with the name. I started this band. I don't want it to let it fall by the wayside completely. End quote. Um, excuse me. In 2013, they embarked on the Wide Awake and Dead tour. And then in 2015, they released their first collection of new music in over 11 years, an EP titled Talk Sick. Originally, it was to be followed with another EP called Entropy, but Gordon later told Westward Magazine that the band would instead release it as a full-length album that has yet to materialize as of 2022. So I don't know what's going on with the band Um if they're still going to be, their website is still active. People still post on it. Uh, Jay Gordon himself actually responds to people. So obviously he's still around and kicking and orgy is still a thing, but I don't know in terms of if they're going to be putting out any new material. It's uh, kind of a shame because it's like for them to have been around this long, they weren't very prolific. And I think they got a lot of talent. Um, this very first song is one that if you've heard of Orgy, you've probably heard this song. Um, if you haven't heard this version, you've almost assuredly heard the New Order original version, which I like, but Orgy's cover of it, I absolutely love. So let's give a listen to Orgy's Blue Monday.
Okay, so that was Orgy's version of New Order's Blue Monday. A little background on the song. I realized that I wrote way too many notes for, <laughs> for this song specifically, so I'll try to give the abridged version. Uh, the song is originally by English rock band New Order. Uh, it was released uh, in March of 1983. Blue Monday is a synth pop and alternative dance song that drew inspirations from many works of other artists. Uh, original single was a commercial hit, making the top 10 in many countries. In the UK, although the song stalled at number nine at the top end, it spent a total of 38 weeks in the top 75. Uh, it was ranked as number 235 on Rolling Stone's top 500 best songs of all time. Um, the song was covered by Orgy in 1998. Internationally, that version was also a hit, appearing on music charts worldwide. It has been attributed with providing industrial and metal fresh with the metal music with a fresh connection. In an interview with Billboard guitarist Amir Durak said that upon working on the song, they quote wanted to do original Blue Monday justice, and they expected more criticism. Uh, they feel lucky to have covered it and felt like. It could have been something that they had originally wrote. The fact that this was their first major hit was uh, not a bother to the band. Um, most of that was obviously paraphrased. <laughs> uh, the song was perceived as the gateway to success, allowing them to tour in Ozfest and then the Family Values Tour. Uh, it appeared in Spin Magazine's Hits of the Year for 1999. It helped pave the way for cyberpunk as best exemplified in the popularity of the 1999 science fiction film, The Matrix, which appeared soon afterwards. Orgy's Blue Monday has been called that, quote, agrofied for the 1990s <laughs> version of New Order song. And it is considered to be part of the resurgence of new wave covers in Gloomcore, along with Dope's cover of Dead or Alive's You Spill Me Around Like a Record. Um, the first iteration or the first... Uh, time that i experienced this band was actually seeing the video play on mtv back when mtv which is another <laughs> one of my things just like cell phones like, i know about. that that's another file under entertainment gold moldy but play it please god damn it they used to play music and videos on the music video station get off my lawn you whippersnappers no but this is i i saw the video and it was just like jay gordon just struck me as like Marilyn Manson-esque in that he just like had the lead singer kind of thing just down to a T. Like he was very, you know, kind of like glammed up and they, it was like a, a science fiction kind of set uh, on the video and it, they just looked cool. And uh, I was a big fan of Manson and Nine Inch Nails and everything at the time. And so this kind of like the industrial sound and also that had kind of adopted a similar look and sound. I was just like, all right, I was fully bought in. And then when I heard the album, I mean, because I was obviously familiar with the the New Order song and I was like, I liked it, but it was a little bit too much like dancey and kind of electronic for me. The Orgy's cover of it to make it... To, for one, to shorten it up as much as they did and to put the more industrial kind of beats to it. I was just like, this is the, this is what hooks me, you know, like Blue Monday is a good song, but Orgy's version, they're like, they, they, they've got it. What did you think of this one? Mark? This is, this is one of my favorites. I, I got to admit though. I mean, I have to admit, I like the new, I like the new order version better. It's just, just, 
I like the I like the dancier version. Anyway. I like dance music more than than I like all the '90s, but I, I like dance music more than like industrial. Um, but this is like perfect because it was like the perfect song for the, for the time when it was originally wrote by New Order, and then this is like the perfect early '90s song. And then when I'm thinking about the genre, I'm like, I I, I texted you guys because I was like. Like it's not quite. I wouldn't say new metal because it's not. What is this? Ninety four. So new metal hasn't shown up on this scene yet. It's not. I guess industrial, but it's. It's not. It's like rock, but it's definitely newer alternative. It, it's definitely was a take of its time. And, and and although I think the new order one is better, this one could definitely stand on its own if you're more of a fan of that that particular sound and then more of those other bands that sound like that. Yeah. Well, I think there's there's so many different genres and variations of metal and everything where it's like i think it's fair kind of to call it a hybrid of new metal slash industrial because it's very in the vein of i don't know if you're familiar with the band coal chamber oh yeah this is is like very similar to that like they came around at similar times because i think a lot of people kind of pigeonhole new metal in with like a limp biscuit where it's like they try to do the rap rock kind of hybrid thing these guys were like i don't know i'm saying like very loosely like finger quotes you know new metal the true new metal because it's still stuck with metal like them and cold chamber i think were are really good bands and the best kind of examples i guess of that but, but without getting into lincoln park or limp biscuit or that tried to go more like the hip hop route with it so you know this i i always like this is one of those ones from the 90s because when you talk about early 90s especially like basically i don't we just made all these arguments now i'm going to label it all as alternative rock but (laughs) but but when you when you think of the early 90s and all those rock bands that were coming on the scene at the at the time i mean you even had like lower bands like gin blossoms that were kind of adding something interesting to it then you had like stp and there was like such there was such there's so many this is like baseball in the 20s like if orgy maybe had been it earlier or later than maybe they would have been ahead of it or maybe they like you don't know like it's it's it it, it baffles me that they're not more recognized you know that yeah i i think they also i think they tried to get too sticky maybe because their first one okay it has the cover so they they already were kind of pigeonholed as less than because their biggest hit was a cover of somebody else's hit so I think that's uh, kind of like a trap where Marilyn Manson had also fallen mm-hmm. in because like Sweet Dreams are made of this, like his cover of the Eurythmic song was also arguably his biggest hit for the longest time. And so a lot of people just didn't like, oh, you shouldn't get popular on the back of somebody else's, you know, virtues, their creation. So I think Orgy's take on Blue Monday is similar enough, but also with enough variation that they could claim it as their own you know that it's the drum beat is almost identical to new orders but they do they kind of switch the musical stanzas around a little bit they definitely shorten it up they do some different things but then their the rest of that first album was more like hard rocky heavy metal and then the second album is like a science fiction themed kind of thing where it goes more electronic industrial and it's just a, like a different take. And I think that to me is orgy that second album. I fucking love it. I, again, start to finish. I just, I could listen to that album all day long. 
it's incredible. Um, we've got two songs from that coming up, but this next song is also off of that first album, Candy Ass. This is Stitches. This is another like one that made a single. It was actually kind of the B side to Blue Monday once they got re or once they got popular with that Blue Monday song. They uh, re-released Stitches as a the B side to that single. So this is another one that maybe you've heard if you are familiar with the band. I think it is a pretty good representation of the other kind of sound that you can expect to hear on that first album, Candy Ass. So let's give a listen to Stitches. If it's neat, I'd never leave it. If that turned around, I'd grieve the special dirty things that we used to talk about. I mean that loving you is strange and utter by me throughout. Oh, now it's you again. Someday soon you find that someone waiting for the chance to beat you. Just loving the food Tying yourself to me 
right. There's just something about that uh, that baseline that goes underneath it. I Jared's shaking his head like he he, he agrees. <laughs> it's like it reminds me of the Deftones, and it very kind of reminds me of other industrial hard rock bands from that time. It's just like it's it's so subtle, but it's just like it's the engine that drives the entire song. I I like that song a lot. Um, what do you think about this one, Mark? This is this is one that I was I was like you know this is like um like all the ones you just compared it to were like of its time like this is like a, a cure song that was like resurrected <laughs> and then brought to the nineties and then nineties nineties fied by like what it what was Poochie twenty five percent extra nineties fied or whatever it was <laughs> like it, it's a cure song but they do it so well and it sounds so similar to their other work that it's like perfect but like I it, it's funny how the cure like affected so many of those bands in the 90s and they all had oh, for sure one song that was like try to be you know let's try to be the cure let's try to be robert smith and then this is probably the most successful of those bands take on a cure song definitely uh, i really really super like it i i think that's again a good representation it was a good choice as a single uh, people that are huge fans of orgy are probably going to be like oh yeah definitely think that these are like the basic big things like oh there's so many other good songs you should have went with you know this instead and blah 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 and i'm fully prepared for that feedback uh i'm willing to take all kind of criticism because i agree like i would have chosen some different songs off of these but i don't think that a lot of people know of orgy have ever even heard of them except for maybe like blue monday because it's been featured in like movies and tv shows so i'm sure that they're familiar maybe with that song but probably not even who did it so uh and certainly probably haven't heard anything else so if this is your first start with orgy like if this is enough to get you to listen to their other stuff then i feel that i've accomplished the mission you know <laughs> so all right. Uh, this next one is, well, I'm not going to tip my hand. Uh, well, I probably already did. I'll just go ahead and say it. This is my favorite orgy song. Mm -hmm. This is from that second album, Vapor Transmission. This is like the number one single off of it. This is fiction, parentheses, dreams in digital. Let's give it a listen. I used to 
Because this is from 2000 when this, when this came out. And now it's commonplace to hear things like that, to hear things like digitized voices like that or snippets from shows or movies. It's just like commonplace. It's We're so used to it. And like back then, I think the only one that was really doing that a lot was like White Zombie. You know, Rob Zombie was always mm. like really big about taking stuff from horror movies and inserting it in his in his songs. But not a lot of other people were really doing it. And so that I just love like the digitized stuff. I love that it's such a futuristic sound that we weren't getting a lot of from the 2000s. It's yeah, it's not quite as heavy, I don't think, as Stitches or that entire first album, Candy Ass, but they were going in a different direction with Vapor Transmission, and it's just like, I I love it. I don't know. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this one is really great. I, I, another song, like, right of its time. Like, this is a perfect little snapshot of, of that era, but why don't more people remember them? It's it's like, when you go back and you start listening to them, you're like, man, they were so good. Like, why were they so overlooked? when you start thinking about because it fits perfectly into the genre if you're thinking of that particular time that and especially that song is like just a perfect representation of that time yeah totally agree I, and again i'm hoping that this will lead people to either that they had fond memories this is like a nostalgic trip to get back reinvested with orgy and maybe prompt them to make some new music or maybe you're they're discovering them for the first time and will become a fan and reach out to Jay and make him <laughs> record new music. That's the end goal with this. <laughs> Even though that's also hypocritical because I've said, like, I'm the kind of fan that this is like perfect for me, like three studio albums and an EP and like nothing else. That's like, I can just, you know, I can appreciate what they've done. And that's kind of like in my wheelhouse, but again, this is one that I would like, yeah, one more album, just give us the one more album that you kind of promised. And then, you know, if it's shit, then we'll never ask you to well, do anything else. <laughs> wait, can I ask you? Your baseline for relevancy is 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 what did you say? Uh, three albums and one EP. That's it. Like that's where a band should end. No, 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 no. I'm just oh, saying okay. that. that uh, no, 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 no. That, definitely not. I'm I'm oh, saying okay. that 
just because like uh i was saying with lana del rey you know i'm a huge fan oh, of hers okay but she's like too prolific you know she'll come out with two studio albums in a year and this is like i haven't even listened in to the last <sighs> one yet and now you've already got a new album out and it's like so now i'm supposed to just like completely bypass that Ooh. old one and go to this new one i haven't even fallen in love completely with that one yet so oh. these guys this is like i can listen i can know every nuance every beat uh, because I can just, there's going to be no more, you know? I, so I, I thought you had like a Stephen A. Smith, like take hot take, like <laughs> a band, a band should only have three albums, one EP. That's it. Then they got to leave because that's all we want to no. get. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> just well, also like Garbage being one of my favorite bands. They take so long to come out in between albums. It's like you can fully appreciate that album and digest it completely before the next one comes out. So it's like, okay, it's been a couple of years now. Uh, we're ready for new material. You know, that's like where Orgy, if they were to come out with something new, is like enough time has passed. I'm ready for some new material. Like, but Lana, it's like pump the brakes a little bit, right? You know, like you don't have to put out two studio albums a year. It's, that's a little too much. All right. So this next one is also from Vapor Transmission. Like I'm, saying every single episode i'm like a broken record which is fitting for a music podcast um about having to pare down music i literally with the exception of the introductory song which is no lyrics whatsoever every single track on vapor transmission started out in my pare down and it was so so difficult to get them down i knew that fiction dreams and digital had to be one of them I wanted another song from that album. I ended up going with Recreation. I could have gone with Sucker Face or Eva or anyone. So again, fans of the band that like know that how hard it was for me to arrive at this decision. But I ended up going with Recreation. Let's give that a listen now.
So good. What do you think about this one, Mark? Yeah, this this is. I'm trying to think. I know we're gonna have to order them later, but man, this is. Yeah, this is. I. This might be my clear favorite here. I, I I like this one. Just really good all around. Just here's the there's the new metal. There's that new metal. Yeah, it's got that got that sound and in the better of of what I would consider new metal. Uh, yeah, it, that's a weird to try to even get into to solving that but yeah i just yeah oh, you yeah. can tell it's new metal i don't know how how we could it's gonna be one of those you, when you see it you know it or like when you know yeah. it, you see it like one yeah. of them no, i definitely agree uh i love this one um for people that like this kind of sound that liked fiction and recreation the whole album has a very similar feel and theme so i would say like if you like this more than you did stitches um maybe just bypass candy ass altogether start with vapor transmission once you fall in love with that then you can branch out into candy ass and uh punk static paranoia and um and then you know hopefully by then you'll be fully bought into orgy's catalog but i mean yeah this is just so good eva is another really great one sucker face there's just so many great songs on that album so so good so Obviously, I went in chronological order here with release. So we're going to be rounding this one out with uh, the song that appeared on their most recent offering. This is from their EP. A lot of really good songs on on the EP. Obviously, a shorter than a normal album. But there was three that I could have chose. And I ended up going with this one. It's Wide Awake and Dead. Let's go to listen. Love less and break 
And that is what we wrap up with. <laughs> what's, what's up, Jared? <laughs> oh, uh, That's what we wrapped up with for Orgy because uh, that to me is like the perfect encapsulation. It's a combo of like the candy ass and the vapor transmission sound. Um, it's a lot of what is featured on the Toxic EP. It's pretty good. It's Again, in my opinion, not as good as Vapor Transmission <laughs> and not as full uh, as an album with like Candy Ass. But that sound, you know, for being like the newer stuff, I, I think is a really good representation. So uh, what did you I, think about this? I, I'm not a fan. No, I, no, no. I feel like it's going too many different directions. I feel like it's trying to be both at once and it seems a little misdirected. Like when I th- when I think of all these ones, I was like, I was like... All the other ones, I was like, why Why aren't they bigger? Why aren't they more recognized? Why aren't they more recognized? And then we get here and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's why. Because <laughs> oh, really? it's, it's kind of trying to be a little bit of everything. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I can see that. I, I thought it was a good uh, like combo. I thought it kind of bridged the gap because it's like, I, I love 
both of the song like sounds independently. And then for me, it was kind of like the perfect marriage of the two. But I mean, I can get where you're coming from. There for it, sure. It's like three bands. Two of them are original and one does covers of both of them. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry, Jared. It looks like you were muted. You were going to say something like and I cut you off. What's up? No, it's OK. Just I was clicking the pause button and obviously it didn't pause at the correct <laughs> moment in time. And it just moved on to the next song. So, yeah, no, that was. My sincerest apologies there. No worries. All right. Well, so are you guys ready to get into the ratings portion? Yes, I, I, I have my I have my list. Okay. So from we'll start with uh, Oingo Boingo. So I still can't say it. Oingo <laughs> Boingo. <laughs> what is your number five song, Mark? My number five song is going to be uh I, I and rightfully so, Little Girls. Not because I believe in the destruction of art to to save the Puritans, but of all of them, it's just it's not a jam. You, you can't really rock out to it. The, the rest of them all have rock elements to it. You can at least enjoy. So yeah, I got little girls at five. <laughs> and no one, no one snip out that audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's too funny. I also chose that one as my number five song. I think for obvious reasons, I can appreciate again, you know, all the things that we said about it that art should be protected for art's sake. It's uh, just like yeah, um, you know, the, all the 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 icky stuff that goes along with it. So, <laughs> what about number four? Number four, um, I have I have Dead Man's Party, and oh, I'll I'll, okay. I'll tell you I'll I'll tell you why because. It, I, I Halloween's okay, but it's not not really my thing. The orange and black it reminds me of Oregon State. It's just, <laughs> I, it just and then everyone out there being a, a a bum begging for things that makes me think of socialism. I mean, it's just like oh at its core, it bothers me on a number of fronts. But but yeah yeah I could yeah Dead Man's Party. It sounds too much like Nightmare Before Christmas. It's it sounds so much like it. It's it, I, I like the other ones better. Okay. I went with uh you're probably not gonna like it. I went with on the outside is oh. yeah, no number four because I think the yeah, just again, we say this up every episode as well. Tough decisions have to be made, they all have to be slotted in somewhere. I think the easiest decision for us <laughs> was the number five here. I think that's the like the easiest decision in all of file entertainment history. But um <laughs> so what about your number three? Uh, number three, I'm going to go with Not My Slave. Um, I like it better than the other two, um, but I, it's not top two territory. It's not like when when I'm putting a mix together of, of this time frame, I'm taking one and two. I'm not. I, maybe I won't get three. One and two, yeah. Three, there's a big drop off there. <laughs> I also put that at uh, my number three. I like, you know, especially after you let everybody know like the context and the real meaning behind the song and you know not what it was you know co-opted or what people believe it to be or perceive it to be uh, i like the real message behind the uh the original song so yeah going with that it was my number three at number two who yeah, it's it's hard not to pick Weird Science number one. It's like it's it's it. Weird Science is the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide of this. this <laughs> it's hard to 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 not have them be number one. Uh, but 
I, I'm going with 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 weird science at number two. You're going with Auburn. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Auburn wins the Iron Oh Bowl. man, SEC super user is going to stop kick, listening now. That, oh. that, that weird science is kick six just right now. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went with Dead Man's Party at number two. I do like. Uh, uh, I may mention earlier uh, for all the reason that, that you said that you didn't like it. I love <laughs> Halloween. I was born around Halloween, so I that's kind of that's my jam. I like uh, horror movies, and I like you know spooky, creepy things. And Halloween is my thing. And Dead Man's Party, it, it fits that uh, it fits that mold perfectly. So I went with that. So yeah, naturally, I, I go with I go with the number one that pulls an upset. I'm going with Auburn winning in winning at Brian Denny. War Eagle, <laughs> please forgive me, uh, SEC, but I I got to go with on the outside. Just it's it's every um, theater kid's existence. <laughs> <laughs> I went with the basic bitch pick. I went with Weird Science at number one. It's like that was like the the perfect nostalgia kind of thing. It was the certainly the Oingo Boingo song that I knew that I had the most familiarity with. Um, that in Dead Man's Party, so that's why they're they're my number one and two uh yes jared is raising his hand yes sir you yeah can just chime um, in you don't have to raise your hand well, like I, no the, the <laughs> conversation is very smooth and when mark is as high as an eagle is sometimes it's hard to get a word <laughs> in um but it, i was i was gonna say i'm glad that you picked weird science as number one because honestly robot sex doll uh from the future <laughs> sounds like a good great number one song to be honest with you <laughs> oh you're degenerate <laughs> all right so what about orgy Give us your number five pick for Orgy. Oh, for, yeah. Well, as I shared my thoughts, I think you're you're aware that Wide Awake and Dead is just not one of my favorites. I mean, out of this list of five, probably out of the rest of that album, it's probably the best one on that that other album. But yeah, this is just this is the uh, this is the Cincinnati. This is the uh, UTSA. Oh no! Sorry. Oh, Sorry. you're com- you're comparing this to Meet Meet? Oh my God! <laughs> and for all those people that don't understand what the fuck we're talking about, this is all inside baseball talk. Well, <laughs> not really baseball; it's college football. Uh, we do the uh, college football podcast on the Even Mark Show on Thursdays, so you can check that out um, to hear Mark and I discuss <laughs> sports. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're talking about. You know, we're doing some college football references. We're bridging both worlds. <laughs> My number five is probably a shock because I love the song. It's uh, a really great one, but I'm going with Stitches. Oh, I, sacrilege. Wait, <laughs> sacrilege. Wrong. Uh, the, tough, tough choices. Everyone always says how much I'm copping out because I always say that, you know, the tough choices have to be made. They all have to slot in somewhere. So there has to be a number five song. And for me, it's, it's Stitches with these. So what about you with number four? Well, it's going to be clear who who I think which album is better here because I, we're as we get closer to the top of the list. But I'm going to go with Recreation. It, it just there's too much talent ahead of it. There's a logjam of talent up there with the other ones. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Recreation. Okay, I another controversial pick. Um, because don't say the, Blue Monday. I don't did. Say Blue, yes. oh, I'm you going son with of Blue a bitch. <laughs> it's just too basic. It's like. No. it's the one that every literally everybody knows like i i chose it because i do genuinely love it i i absolutely love the song and i love this version as well as the original but it's the one that i just there's so many other good songs <sighs> that orgy has in their catalog 
that this one is just yeah it's it's solidly at number four you are so 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 wrong you're so incorrect <laughs> okay so what have you what have you got for number three three okay now we're we're getting the field is tough in my mind with this pick you're going to know where i'm going which one i like the best i'm going with fiction at number three okay all right so yeah, I'm, so I'm I'm working the basic bitch list. <laughs> I'm well, so you're going to you're going in a, in a different direction <laughs> here. So you're saying that vapor transmission would not be the starting place for you. You would rather start out with uh, like the harder stuff on candy ass. So yeah, oh yeah, I, I, in my mind, candy ass is like if you're telling me like which one you had to go listen to, you're going to take a drive tomorrow. You're going to listen to the album top to bottom. You're not going to skip one. You're going to listen to the whole fucking album like like our forefathers did. <laughs> you're going with candy. You're going with candy. Yes. You, okay. you ain't going with the other one. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. The other one's oh. great, but you know, which one you're going to go with. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I would go with favorite transmission. Personally, so. <laughs> uh, I'm going with recreation at number three. Uh, I did have this at number two, but then I kind of reslotted it after listening to him again, because it's like, I can't go that, you know, that same album one and two. So I would, I split it up a little bit. So number two, that means you've got, I still I like the other version better, and that's and that's the only thing that kind of lessens it in in the when we get near the top. I'm going Blue Monday number two, and only because I like the original version better than their version. Okay, I went with Wide Awake and Dead at number two oh, because God. like I, I truth be told, when I originally I started when we first started listening to them, when we got to the second song. <laughs> stitches i already had penciled in my number one and then i started filling the rest of them in wide awake and dead i had at number four and then like listening to it again i was just like no in my opinion all the things that you said i think are factual and valid but that's kind of what i liked about it i like that it is the the combination of the the two genres and how i, I for me I think it's perfect because I love the harder stuff. I also love the more like EDM, danceable, electronic stuff. That to me is like the perfect marriage of it. I went with that. So obviously you went with Stitches at number one. Yeah, I, it, it's their song. It's not a cover. There's not a better version of it. If anything, down the road that someone's going to cover that. It, it's just probably the best song in their entire entire catalog. When you're when you're building a playlist in, in that particular era, in basically 90s and alternative rock, you might miss orgy but if you're gonna if you get orgy then you gotta get stitches more so than blue monday snitches get stitches and, and blue monday is like in tv shows and movies you've already yeah, heard yeah. it a bunch of times stitches you exactly. probably just dropped out your rotation yeah i agree i went with fiction dreams and digital at my number one it's i love 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 that song i could listen to it on repeat never get sick of it it's just great it just got so much for me it's got it's another really really good video uh, for anyone that wants to seek that out, Jay Gordon looks super cool. The band looks awesome. I, the song is just so kick-ass. I, I love it. Again, can't say enough high praise about Vapor Transmission, uh, that entire album. So that's what we got. So are you ready to play to get Jared on microphone here? For Trivial Perhuti, Mark made such a stink about it that he didn't want to do just the, the basic uh, is it Aerosmith thing. So I was like, all right, I'll come up with a, an abridged version of Trivial Perhuti for our O. 
instead of 10 questions, we've got five. So we'll see of the two of you who has the most points once we uh, complete. So we're going the first question, Mark will go first and then we'll flip flop with Jared going first and then blah, blah, blah. So are you guys ready? I'm ready. All no. right. <laughs> Jared was born ready. <laughs> Welcome to Trivial Pursuit. File under entertainment's take on Trivial Pursuit. This is the abridged version because Mark wanted to play it so badly, Jared. <laughs> you also are welcome to jump in. Whoever has the most points after the five questions wins. And without further ado, question number one, Oingo Boingo performed their farewell performance with eight band members. Which of these following bands also have routinely performed with eight or more official band members? We have Chicago, Slipknot, Earth, Wind, and Fire, or all of the above? Mark, you're going to go first. I, I, at first, I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, the first one's probably right. Then the second one, I was like, okay, the second one's probably right. Then no, I, I think they're all right. Those those Chicago's got like 25 dudes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the other, and I know Slipknot don't they have people in masks? And yeah, the, the, I'm going with the over. <laughs> so you're going with D, all of the above? Yeah, all of the okay. above. Jared, what say you, sir? I I knew who Chicago was. That was a change. Uh, Slipknot, <laughs> I've definitely heard of them. They are on one of my typical playlists. And I'm pretty sure Earth, Wind, and Fire, like the two songs I've heard of them, I was like, how many people are in this band? So I got to go with D, all of the above. Okay. You are both correct. So five points each. That was all of the above. Earth, Wind, and Fire had like 12 guys consistently. Uh, Slipknot said that it was uh, nine, all numbered from zero through eight. Chicago also, I think, had 13. Uh, yeah, it's in insane. Uh, okay. So number... Is that the first points I've put up in this game? No, you had you had points before. I think it's the first five points. Yeah, the first five points I've hit yet. All right. Founder of Oingo Boingo, Danny Elfman, has been romantically linked to two incredibly kick-ass women that have been a part of one of the most influential alternative rock bands and the movie that popularized grunge. So who are these two ladies? Are they Kim Deal and Taya Leone? Are they Kim Gordon and Bridget Fonda? Are they Kim Carnes and Kira Sedgwick, or are they Kim Fields and Winona Ryder? And Jared, you go first on this one. Winona Ryder, D, and whoever else that was with, that's, I don't know. Kim Fields and Winona Ryder. Okay. Sure, that sounds good. Mark, what, what do you yep, say? Yep, that's it. Kim Fields and Winona Ryder. Okay, uh, you're both incorrect. <laughs> it is Kim Gordon and Bridget Fonda. God oh, damn it. He's, he's still married to Bridget Fonda uh, like for a long time. They've got a 17-year-old son together, and that's what caused her to uh, stop acting. So she quit as soon as they uh, had their child. So you guys are both still at five points. Okay. When you said Question Winona Ryder, I was like, it, it, it can't be Miss Fonda and Gordon. Because I, I don't know why. I was like, oh, Jim Gordon. You know, <laughs> Detective Jim Gordon. But when you said Winona yeah, Ryder, I was like. Kim Gordon. First Kim of all, Gordon, Kim whatever. Gordon from Kim Sonic Gordon. Youth, Detective not Jim Gordon. Gordon. <laughs> Jim yeah. Gordon, Kim Gordon. Well, I just thought of Detective Gordon. Yeah, I just thought of Detective Gordon. And I was like, yeah. it's got to be them. And then when you said Winona Ryder, I was like, She's one of the most bad bitches I know. Like, if she was in a movie, like, if she was the main character and I'm walking down an alleyway, I'm dead. You know, so so I was like, yeah, I got to go with Monona. I mean, fair, but also incorrect. <laughs> so right. question number three. 
We mentioned that Orgy signed to Korn's record label initially, so you can probably draw the conclusion that that band would be one that they have toured with. You probably also wouldn't be surprised to hear that Orgy toured with Limp Bizkit, Rammstein, and Incubus. But which of these following bands would you think that they absolutely would not have toured with, but totally did? And Mark is going to go first with this one. Is it Weezer? Is it Goo Goo Dolls? Is it Sugar Ray? Or is it Red Hot Chili Peppers? I I know for a fact it's the Goo Goo Dolls. I don't know how I could prove it, but I I know it in my I know it in my heart. Okay, Jared, what do you think? Well, I was Weezer, gonna... Goo Goo Dolls, Sugar Ray, or Red Hot Chili Peppers? I was gonna pick the Goo Goo Goo, Goo, Goo Dolls, but now I'm not so sure. So Weezer's really chill. The Chili Peppers are kind of funky soul, but with a little bit of rock. And then Sugar what? Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. Sugar Ray. I just want to fly. Da, da, exactly. da, 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 da. Put your arms around. Ah. Yeah, yeah, Sugar Ray. They didn't, they toured with Sugar Ray. Okay. That's your final answer? Yes, sir. Locked in. All right. Jared is correct. Ah, fuck you, Mark. They fucking <laughs> toured with Sugar Damn. Ray. Damn. Yeah. All right. So, question number four Orgy, and this was going to be Jared and then Mark, obviously. Orgy launched a crowdfunding campaign in August 2013 via Indiegogo.com with a $100,000 goal. Two months later, at the conclusion of the campaign, they came up embarrassingly short <laughs> of said goal. What was the total dollar value raised in that drive? Was it $6,518? Was it $8,739? Was it $10,406? Or was it $13,260? Can you repeat the question, please, sir? <laughs> you bastard motherfucker. Okay. They had a crowdfunding campaign in August 2013 via Indiegogo with a goal of $100,000. Two months later, at the conclusion of the campaign, they came up embarrassingly short of their goal. What was the total dollar value raised? Okay. 6518 $8,739, $10,406, or $13,260? A final answer. A six thousand five hundred eighteen dollars. Yes, sir. Okay, Mark. I'm going with eight thousand. I forgot the the other the, the, eight thousand seven hundred thirty nine. Yep, the second lowest one. Yeah. Okay, and Mark, you pulled yourself back into it Ooh. because you guys are now tied. It was indeed eight thousand seven hundred thirty nine dollars. Okay, so this is the final question. So, and I didn't have any uh, tiebreakers, <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, we number five. We got pretty deep into the cover that made Orgy famous. Meanwhile, Hootie and the Blowfish were pretty famous in their own right, and yet their latest re release is a cover originally done by REM. But the question isn't that simple, Mark. They've actually done a cover of REM on two occasions. So, what other artist or artists have they covered more than once? This is Mark answering first. <laughs> is it a Bill Withers, B Bob Dylan, C Tom Waits, or D all of the above? Yeah, all of the above. Jared. Now I can't give my answer because that's well, he was wrong the last time I agreed with him. So I'm gonna go with Bob Dylan because I like Bob Dylan. Okay, I'm sorry, you were both incorrect. Good. Ah. <laughs> It is Bill Withers. <laughs> the songs were Use Me and Lovely Day. So you oh, that's right. Points. So how do we settle this? This is your show, big guy. Pull <laughs> I, I should have come up with a, uh, a tiebreaker. 
when I did that. Well, what's a piece of trivia that you know that you don't think Mark and I both know? When it comes to any sort of music, anything. Well, okay, well, not anything. Just the first thing that popped to my head, who can name the most digits of pi? Oh. 3.14, that's as far as I got. Okay. 3.145? No. It's 3.14159265535. I know it's 10 places and that's it. Well, I just think when I had Metallica on, because they technically played on every continent, I should win, you know. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Let me see if I can find something really quickly here from. Uh... Yeah, I know that was like a weird goal that they did, but they put on like a concert in Antarctica for like 70 some fans or something like that. It was kind of <laughs> cool. They were in a big pop up blow up tent or something weird. Okay. So don't do don't Google music trivia and see the first thing that comes up. That's exactly what I did. Okay, uh, here's for all the marbles. What singer has had a Billboard number one hit in each of the last four decades? Oh, do do we not get a guess or do we not get answers? No singer uh, with the top four. I, I will give you the one hint, and it's going to be the first one to just spew it out of their faces. Um, Cher. Eminem banged her. Oh, um, Rihanna. Oh, Mariah Carey. There you go. God, Mark Wynn. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, congratulations. Eminem had yes. got to got like got with Mariah Carey. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You're really? the big Eminem guy. You've never heard of the, like what are you Mariah fly t- through twice or whatever? Like oh yeah, the, that's the, about Mariah Carey. The, the <laughs> yeah okay the locked in a wine cellar that okay yeah, yeah. I, I got gotcha. you. Oh that's right I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. His relapse album was not so relapsing. It was it wasn't it was no buenos. Congratulations, Mark. You win the O version, the abridged trivial perhuti. Um <laughs> you know I, I kind of did the uh the intro uh, at the very beginning like gave you the introduction but I didn't give you the opportunity to give your full spiel and I apologize. So do you now as we are going to wrap up the show want to give <laughs> Oh, you mean you like are okay. and, where, and where to find you and, and all that stuff? Now that you've heard me for, for for several hours, what you should know about me besides is is that I I did not like Wide Awakened Dead. <laughs> Other than that, is that uh, I host a show, a sports show called The Evil Mark Show. It's an absolute mess of poorly thought out, intentionally provoking, and ridiculous opinion on sports. We do a college football show on Thursday. We do an NFL show on Friday. If you love sports, or even if you're just a casual fan, you can join into the show. Uh, it's just great sports talk radio. We try to mix in a, a little bit of comedy, uh, definitely a lot of sports talk, and just make it more relatable. It's the funnest show out there. Uh, check us out. And, of course, it has uh, Eric on Thursday. Uh, for the college football show and Jared on Friday for the NFL show. So you can hear all the episodes. Gang's all here. Gang everywhere. green. <laughs> Gang green. <laughs> I'm bringing that back. Another inside track. So only, <laughs> only people with the crossover will know what the fuck I'm talking about. Everyone else is like, what? What an idiot. <laughs> and Jared, super producer Jared, give your spiel, my guy. 
Yeah, uh, Feathers and Friends is my podcast. Eric and Mark are frequently uh, on there, as well as I've finally been doing some solo episodes because I can't find a guest. So you get to listen to a lunatic ramble about Reddit things and dumb things he finds on the internet with probably a lot of opinions that are really stupid. Um, so come check me out, Feathers and Friends. If you like video games, Parrot Gaming Productions is my YouTube. Uh, doing a lot of Tarkov streaming as well as Insurgency Sandstorm. Very heavy on the Milson shooters. So there you go. That's me. Very cool. Um, yeah. Anything else that you guys want to plug or bring up? Um, no. It, sh it should it should be noted. <laughs> it, it should be noted that taxation is theft. Just oh putting God. that out there. <laughs> taxation just, without representation. Right. No, any tax. Any. any let me tell you, let me tell you something, Eric. Now that you've asked, you just thrown it to me for just a general opinion. One, one, the, the driver's license is tyranny right off the bat. Oh, Taxes, tyranny. Look, there's you. You mentioned watch lists. Uh, what I want everyone to do is, I want you to to get to Google or your your preferred search engine and uh, uh, Google Ruby Ridge. Just Google Ruby Ridge. Can Read I play the sound effect now? <laughs> oh you want you want to just slam his head in the filing cabinet yeah i just want to slam that filing cabinet shut I've, I've got it queued it up i'm prepped and ready i know where mark is going with this let's shut it down real early <laughs> i want to know on a scale since you mark you were giving me a scale on the most recent uh evil mark show uh, of one to ten i want to know one to ten how high you are right now Oh, I'm past 10, man. I'm way <laughs> past 10, bro. <laughs> like, 10 was back on uh, Stitches. When Stitches <laughs> broke, that was 10. <laughs> I love it. It's always a pleasure. Every time we do the Evil Mark show, we record on Wednesdays for a Thursday release. It's always a blast. It's always great to have you on this show. Again, for anyone that is just checking this out, he, he was even more uh, amazing and off the rails on and even more passionate, if you can believe that, about the Grateful <laughs> Dead. So go double back to the G episode if you haven't already heard it. You can hear uh, Jared on the E episode and also on the M episode. And then he's been doing the super producer thing since E. So you can catch him in dribs and drabs. Mark will be coming back to join us for oh, and, our... And I'll be bringing... And I'll be bringing country music. The first yeah. country music artist on File Entertainment Letters. Finally... Uh -huh. We finally, something good happens to the white man. <laughs> oh my God. Oh boy. I had, yeah, I don't, uh, I have an idea of what I'm going to choose and I don't know. It's going to be quite the contrast. I think. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it's going to be fun. It always is. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Jared, thank you much, so much, sir. Now you may go ahead and file <laughs> what am I? Am I fucking high? I don't know. Go ahead and slam that file on the cabinet shut. Thank you.